0: Thank you. you. may be seated. Well, good morning. I know it's a surprise for some of you that I'm up here. And uh, based upon the number that's here, that means you didn't know that I was filling in. So that's good. So we surprised you. If you probably heard that I was filling in, you would not have come. No, I'm kidding. Uh, so... We, Isn't it wonderful to be a Christian? It, it is great to be here. I've just been encouraged so much, and it is fantastic. The joy that comes from the fellowship is amazing. And uh, I, I will say it's great to come together with this local body here in Buller, Texas, Texas, to worship our Heavenly Father. Uh, these, these last two songs that, that Matt led for us, is a perfect segue to the lesson in which we have today. But I'm going to tell you, they, it really should spur us on to continue to live for Him. It's good to be part of worship. It's good to be part of the Lord's church. It's good to be part of this family here because we know that we are living out the Great Commission at every opportunity that we can that we are here to spread the gospel. And and I will tell you this, it is great to be here because we have a new brother in Christ that is worshiping with us this morning. Cruz Duvac obeyed the gospel last week. And so that is even more so why it is great to be here, but it's also great to be a Christian because of that right there. It is great that he has been added to the greatest family there is, the greatest body that there is, and is wonderful. It's great that he has said that I am following and that I will give my life to Christ, the only person in which we want to belong to, the only one that we want to proclaim, the only name that we say we want to bear the only name that we want to wear, and that is a follower of Him. I will say this. I know that we do have some visitors, and we're thankful that you're here. We have young people that are here that may be passing through. We may may have some of you that are here for a short while and, and will move off. But I will say this. Here's my plea. My plea is that you search for a biblical congregation. You search for a family, a body of Christians that want to serve Christ at every opportunity that they have. And I'm going to tell you, after being here for six or so years, I believe that this family does that very thing. We see that. We see how much they want to be involved in this community, and it is wonderful. That we let this community know and that we also let the world know that Jesus Christ can save them, that He can change them, that He loves them, He cares for them. And so, again, I say it is wonderful to be here. This morning we will begin a three-part series on the faithful church. And as you see our, our text, we will be looking at 1 Timothy chapter 5, and we'll also go to chapter 6 as well. But uh, if you want to go ahead and turn there, that would be wonderful because we're going to be diving into that. Uh, I know that it is great to have a change of someone being up here, but I will say this. My job this morning is to make you want Jake to be back in this pulpit. So, I'm kidding. I did take the opportunity to dress up just a little bit, but I, I was we- uh, debating on whether or not to wear a tie, and then I... Lacey said, well, you're going to look like Jake. And I said, well, I don't want to look like Jake. I'm kidding. It's great to be part of this family. <clears throat> we'll be diving into 1 Timothy chapter 5 and 1 Timothy chapter 6. And we will look, we'll be looking at what the body of Christ must be doing. The body of Christ should have a mindset that is fully focused on God's will and following Jesus' commands. So then you say, well, what is that? How do I know what that is? And we're going to dive into it. But then also the challenge for you is to examine at home to see what that is. We know that when we read the New Testament, the, the Christians, the body of Christ, are gathered for worship. That the Word of God is read that the Word of God is preached and proclaimed, and that there is singing accompanied, right? It's wonderful to sing. It encourages us. We see a lot of people when we pull up at a red light singing because of the happiness and the joy that maybe a song brings. And I've been encouraged by the songs that we've sung today. We know that from the Scriptures that the people, when they hear the message... That they're pricked. They're pricked to the heart. That they ask, what do I need to do? We see that the Christians confess their sins to one another. We see that those who who say, I want to live a life, I want to become a Christian, I want to have my sins washed away, that they are fully immersed in the water, giving and receiving that forgiveness of sins. So that they can be saved. Not only do we see that in scripture, but we also see it in historical writings. You can look at a secular historians that will tell you that very thing. So I always say this if you can't, if you don't want to believe the black and white and the red ink, look in history and it'll match it. It will match it. But that's not it, that's not all to what we need to be doing. That's not all what a church needs to be doing, a faithful church. If we we look over real quick, hold that mark in 1 Timothy. Go go to Revelation real quick. I want you to go to Revelation chapter 2 and chapter 3. And I I want you to underline some things that you see. Because remember, our topic is faithful church. Now, most of you have um, chapter 2 and chapter 3. Most of that is in red because that lets us know that Jesus is saying something. Which means it should stand out to us and be that, more, that much more important. Not that all Scripture is God breathes, as 1 Timothy 3.16 says. But it is important for us to look at. And there's a key phrase that I want us to look at real quick before we get into 1 Timothy. Jesus is talking to the seven churches. All right, And he says something very important. He says, I know your works. I know your works. So what I want you to do is I want you to underline that. Look in chapter 2 and then slide over. Turn the page to chapter 3 and you're going to see, I know your works. Which tells us we, as this local body, should be working. As a faithful church... We should be working. So I think of it this way. So instead of a church there in particular, in chapter 2 and in, in chapter 3 of, of Revelation, you, you just picture, he's writing, he is talking, he's written a letter, Jesus has written a letter to the, the church, that fellowship that comes together, the collective body that comes together. And he says, Bullard... I know your works. So the question is, what is that? What is works? What does that look like for us as a faithful church? As a faithful body of believers. So now let's look at 1 Timothy chapter 5. 1 Timothy chapter 5. We see here, it says, do not rebuke an older man, but exhort him as a father. Younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters, with all purity. So as we think, what should be done as the body of Christ? Well, we're going to dive into some of this and we're going to examine this scripture as best we can. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 1, it says, Do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father. Younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters in all purity. So looking at, at I, w- I wanted to just really understand what was the, what was the culture Around this time of the writing, what what really did did the secular world do there in Rome? And so I wanted to look, and and there was a Roman statesman, Cicero. And this is what he wrote, somewhere between 79 to to 49 B.C., okay? And so I wanted to look. He said, it is then the duty of a young man to show difference to his elders and to attach himself to the best And most approved of them, so as to receive the benefit of their counsel and influence. Isn't it interesting that we're seeing Paul say something and and pull this from society in which they're in. Hey, this is a good thing. This is what the body of Christ should be doing. We should be what? There's something that sticks out there. It's relationship. Relationship sticks out. It's pretty evident that we should have a relationship with one another, young or old. And relationship is very important in the Scriptures. God is calling out both young and old, men and women, to form a great bond together in all purity. Our relationship should be, as that uh, the last part of verse two says, "In all purity." Now, what is purity? What does that mean? Purity. It is. It should be empty of malice. It should be clean of strife. We are in it. In we are in this together. And and we should grow and learn from one another. You see, there are things, there are many pitfalls that our, our elderly have gone through that our young can learn from. There are things that they've experienced that we haven't yet, or maybe we're going through something. If we go talk to an older Christian, guess what? They can help us. They could help us maybe say, hey, I went this route, and it did not work out well. Why don't you try this? But here's the thing. We, as the younger Christians, the younger brothers and sisters, we need to say, hey, I'm going to learn from them. We don't need to make the same mistakes and say, "Uh uh-uh. I'm going to do this all on my own. I'm going to figure it out by myself. I don't need your help. Well, that's not what we're seeing here. We can't be a solo Christian. It is very important that that relationship should be there. You cannot wait until an elder or deacon gives you the green light. We've got to figure out and get together and pull people in. You see, I will also say this. This is why it is very important for the elderly or our older Christians, our parents, to stay just as involved in the youth as anybody else. As anybody else. Because right here, we need to be learning from one another. And so you don't need to wait for the elders to say, hey, this is what I need you to do. You don't need to wait for one of the deacons to say, hey, can you do this? You need to say, I am and I can help and build a relationship with someone in their walk, and help them through this journey. That's what we need to be doing. That's what's so important about this relationship. Because, hey, it's great when you have a relationship because when you have that relationship, you can come talk to me and tell me when I'm doing wrong, and I'm not going to take it the wrong way. I'm not. Because I know where you are. I know where you're coming from. I know your heart. That's why it is very important that we understand the relationship. So, no matter how old you are, stay involved. Make those connections with the young kids. You're not finished yet. You're not done. You haven't accomplished everything you can as a Christian. You can't do that until the very end, until he calls you home. So until in the meantime, let's continue to work. Let's continue to help each other build those relationships. I will also say this, as a matter of fact, the more segregated we become with youth and the rest of everybody else, the less beneficial it is to our young people in their growing, in their faith. You can look it up. I didn't want to list all the studies, but they're there. You can just Google it and see all kinds of information. You need to be part of the young people's faith. You've often, you may have often heard this, and if not, this may be new to you, but two-thirds, two-thirds, and the youth group hear this all the time from me, but two-thirds of young people by the time they graduate high school, when they, when they are graduated out of high school and they leave the youth group, they've left the faith. They will leave two-thirds. Two-thirds. So maybe you're a parent in this room that has kids. Do you want your child to be a statistic? We, We can't have that. We cannot have that. So my plea, earnest plea, is for you to understand the importance that you have to make those connections with the young people. And you can't just leave it up to one youth minister. You can't. Just leave it up to the minister. Because the minister, the youth minister, any any along those lines, they do not accomplish your faith. They do not do it all for you. Oh, we we pay a preacher, he's supposed to go see everybody and talk to everybody. He's supposed to build those relationships. Nope, that's not what what we see at all. So we have to continue in the work of the church we have to continue to build those relationships together. So just from those two verses, and I know I've spent quite a few times, but you have to understand that there is an importance of us building relationships young and old. Young and old. Don't wait. Jump in there. Do those things. Speaking of those two-thirds, did you know 80 of, 80% of those two-thirds that lose the faith and walk out, out of high school and don't come back Eighty percent of that two-thirds already left the faith in junior high and high school. Junior high and high school. So I say that to hopefully spur on. We we have to see the importance of our role in each other's lives. So now let's let's go on because because I want to dive into some things real quick because. When, when we think about the role of the church, again, it's not just one person. It's everybody that's involved. Everybody. Which is why we see him taking in verses 3 and following and talking about widows. Widows. Verses 3 through 8, honor widows who are really Widows. But if any widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show uh, piety at home and to repay their parents, for this is good and acceptable before God. Now she who is really a widow and left alone, trusts in God and continues in supplication and prayers night and day. But she who lives in pleasure is dead while she lives. While these things command that they may be blameless. But if anyone does not provide for his own and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. It's great here that we see that that the church of Christ has inherited a fine tradition of charity to those in need. Looking at uh, William Barclay and his um, commentary, he wrote, No people has ever cared more for it's needy and aged than the Jews. So now we as Christians have inherited that and see the importance of a family. See the importance of caring for those that are in need. We see some different type of widows from these scriptures. A true widow. What is a true widow? Those without a husband or children to be able to take care of them. So the collective body, the collective body, as George De- Dehoff put it, he said, the church, the collective body should support these indeed widows and should be supported by the body. Christ so we as a local body have to be we have to be supporting them because they are in need a widow who has grandchildren or children or great grandchildren the church says wait we're gonna pull back because you have family that's supposed to take care, supposed to reach out, supposed to be there for him. This no longer becomes the responsibility of the church, but the responsibility of the family members. Anyone who does not provide for his own family, whether, whether it be his wife, his children, or aged parents, has denied the faith and is worse Some of your translations may say say infidel. So it is worse than an infidel because even some of the infidels take care of their family. Listen, we're Christians. We are Christians. We are a collective body of believers who proclaim and who live for Him. There are things that we need to be doing as a faithful church, and we've got to be taking care of people. We don't want to be the ones considered, oh, they only take care of, oh, they don't take care of anybody. They just make sure you're there. Oh, that's not what it's about. We're about the heart. We're about reaching those who need Jesus. We're about taking care of those. We're about keeping those in the fold who've lost the very person that's supposed to continue in helping them stay in Christ. I will also point out that the widow in this passage, widows, uh, widow in these passages are widows who have entrusted their faith to Christ and have put it into action. You see, there's some benefits here. Look at that. It says um, in verses four. So yes, their grandchildren, their children are supposed to take care of them, but they're also living a life. That is an example to the children and grandchildren. So it's twofold. Yes, we're taking care of grandma, but she's also helping us. We all have had mothers or grandmothers that have impacted us tremendously because they continued their walk. They continued their faith. And that's here what we see, so that they come back. Because guess what? It says that it is pleasing to God. It's pleasing to God. There in verse 4, Show godliness to their own household and to make some return to their parents, for this is pleasing in the sight of God. Now wait a minute. So we're having kids that are leaving their parents? Yeah, a lot of times. We don't want to listen to our mama and our daddy anymore. We got it all figured out, but we will go talk to grandma because she knows more than mama. And so that's how important it is that you help them, that you guide them. There are some some guidelines there of, of limitation or widows with age. This is because according to some, the age 60 was the prime age for people to become fully dedicated in their Christian walk. Women can become a major prayer warrior for their church and a true servant of the community once she hits that age. That's what they would believe. And it doesn't mean we hold off and we don't support anybody that doesn't hit that 60 age mark. No, there are some things that we need to fall under. And look, um, there in verses 9 and 10 let a widow be enrolled if she is not less than 60 years of age having been the wife of one husband and having a reputation for good works if she has brought up her children has shown hospitality has washed the feet of the saints has cared for the afflicted and has devoted herself to every good work wow we should take notes of that's what we need to be doing too Younger widows. These are widows who, have, who are drawn away from God, not just because they're younger. And, and that's not what that means. They're drawn away because they've no longer said God is number one. They've put their own desires, their own pleasures in place of serving God. So we have to make sure that God is number one in our lives. There's some things, too, I want to pick up that is damaging to what we call these younger ones. But that just means that they're not fully dedicated to Christ. And here's here's what it is. One one who wanders from house to house in idleness and gossip can do great damage to the cause of Christ. They sure can. This is done by by many today. And y'all know some, I'm sure. We've all met some. I, I hate to say it, but I'm, his, I'm guilty too. I'm guilty. But this is done by many today of this gossip and idleness just sitting there, just saying, I'm a Christian, I'm done, I'm good, I'm good. This is done by many today and has caused many souls to turn from ever coming to the Lord. Well, I'll never become a Christian if she says she's a Christian. I'll never become a Christian because of what he does. So, we cannot be idle. And we cannot allow the adversary, which is Satan, to take control of us and keep us from serving the Lord. Also, I want you to, to get something from this. Is that whether you are married whether you're divorced, whether you're single, single, you're widowed, you're young or old, you have a responsibility. And we did talk about that this morning, but you have a responsibility to one another to encourage and help each other to remain faithful because this is pleasing in the sight of the Lord. Because I need you. I need you so much. When you're not here, it hurts. When you're here, I see that and it encourages me. It helps me. When you come and you pat me on the shoulder, you pat me on the back, or you shake my hand, or you give me a hug, I need that. And I know you need that too. And that's important for us to know. That's important for us to do. So, as a church, we have responsibility even to those whom we may think, eh, nah, we don't need to mess with them. Even the widows need the assistance. But then there's also a role of what the widows should be doing. So now what I want to do real quick as we turn over to First Timothy chapter 6 is I want to look at the roles of the individual members of the church. As a collective body here, we have many members. And you have individual talents and you have individual roles. We all have to be working. For those, we all have to work. Some may may still be working. Some of us may not want to work, but we have to work. Drawing in an income. No No matter what it is, in our Christian faith, we have to be working. Verses 1 and 2 of chapter 6. Let all who are under a yoke of bondservant regard their own masters as worthy of all honor so that the name of God and the teaching may be reviled. Those who have believing masters must not be disrespectful on the grounds that they are brothers. Rather, they must serve all the better since those who benefit by their good service are believers and beloved. The point here is not to say, hey, we're okay with slavery. That's not the point. The point here is no matter your position, no matter where you are in life, in the classifications, it doesn't matter. But what matters is you have to be a Christian. See, the Holy Spirit knew that asking slaves to rebel and run away would not help the cause for Christ which is why he did not ask that to happen. If we're thinking in slavery terms, I want you to think about this. Uh, I came across this by George Dehoff in, in his commentary. He says, slavery was not to be destroyed by encouraging slaves to rebel, listen to this, but by putting a Christian spirit in the master. Because once you did that, it's going to change the outcome. It's going to change the outcome. We are to live a life that impacts all of those around us. The church is made up of many different people. We as members of the church of Christ, young, old, male or female, widow, single, married, poor or rich, we have a job to do. As a faithful church here, we have a job to do. We need to let other people know that it is great to be a Christian, that it is great to be part of the greatest family, not to shun them, not to make them not feel welcome, which is why we probably see there is a decline because they feel welcome in other areas when Christians are saying, nope, 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 nope. We have to make them feel welcome. We have to be working for the Lord. As the local body here, we must be faithful, faithful church by how we care for one another and how we live our lives for Christ. There is much work to do for you and I as members of this local body. I know I've made this lesson very long, so you are probably going, yes, we are ready for Jake to be back. But I hope you hear my heart. I hope you hear my plea that we need to understand the importance of working together to serve the Lord. We're not here to make anybody, to belittle anybody, but encourage one another. As we talked about this morning, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. Let us not forsake in the assembly of ourselves together, but exhort one another. Exhorting one another. Encouraging uplifting one another. You see, I hope that we see that that is an important role from 1 Timothy 5 as we start this series that that's what we need to be doing no matter who you are, no matter what you have done, no matter what you do, God needs you to be working. There is much work to do. There is. You turn on the TV, you can see. You listen to the radio. There is much work to do. And as as I spoke at FCA, here at Fellowship of Christian Athletes at the school, just the other day, there's a big kick of, you of see shirts that say 2493 on them. Listen, we need to make sure that we turn Bullard upside down and that we help them understand the importance of living for Christ. And I spurred those kids on, we've got to set 2493 on fire for the Lord. And so that's our role. There's where we need to be. That's what we need to be doing. That's what we need to be living. So I'll end with this. My invitation is that if you're struggling and you need the prayers, we are here to pray for you. We're here to pray with you. As as those songs, the verses of those songs, we're here together. We laugh together, we cry together. Maybe you're saying, you know what? I'm ready to live for Christ. I'm ready to become a Christian. We can do that too this morning. You say, hey, I want to have my sins washed away. I've I've made some horrible, I've done some horrible things. And I'm ready to walk anew. We can do that. Maybe, Maybe you're saying, you know what? I have not been living the faithful role. I have not been doing my job as a, member of this local body it says you know what I need some prayers to help get back into the swing of things maybe you want to talk to one of the deacons or one of the elders and say hey I'm ready to get, get plugged back in what do you got I'm doing that I'm doing this and doing this don't go to somebody and say what do you want me to do you say hey I want to do this I'm ready to do this get me plugged in we'll do it we can do that so whatever your need may be Please come forward as we stand and as we sing.